Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Since 2016, non-citizen parents of San Francisco Unified students have had the right to vote in local school board elections. It's a rare, though not totally unheard of, idea. But not everyone agrees it should happen. Now, a conservative group has successfully sued to strike this law down. I had an ability to advocate for my kids' um, education and have a voice in the ballot box was really important for me. And that, that right's been taken away and it's, it's distressing. Today, the fight over non-citizen voting rights and why everyone is watching what happens in San Francisco. For much of American history, citizenship was not the primary determinant of voting rights. Annalise Finney is a reporter for KQED. In the 1800s, white male non-citizens were allowed to vote in 22 states and territories. And people who were citizens, like women, children, freedmen, and non-property owners weren't allowed to vote. It wasn't until the late 1800s and the early 1900s that then moved to more closely tie voting with citizenship. And so how common is non-citizen voting throughout the country now? It's not that common, but it does exist in a few places. There are a few cities in Vermont that allow for non-citizen voting in municipal elections. The same is true in Maryland. Maryland actually has that highest number of municipalities that allow for non-citizen voting. Um, And then there's a few places where it's allowed in school board elections. New York actually allowed voting in all municipal elections, but that ordinance has been overturned um, and the city is seeking to appeal it. When did San Francisco begin considering allowing non-citizen residents to vote, in this case, just in school board elections? So this has been something that San Francisco has been thinking about doing for a long time. The first time that was on the ballot was in 2004. Um, It didn't pass. It was then on the ballot again in 2010, and it didn't pass again. Um, And then this most recent law um, was voted on in 2016, and then it did pass. It was called Proposition N, and it passed with about 54% of the vote. It's something that's been supported for a long time by immigrants' rights activists and, frankly, a majority of San Francisco voters, as we can see, because this passed in 2016. The idea was that there are estimated to be one in three students in San Francisco Unified who have a parent who is an immigrant. And the people who proposed this bill wanted for those people to have a say in their child's education. Many people are trying to become citizens, but 
it's very difficult. It takes years and years and years. It takes money to either pay a legal advocate or money to just take time off of work to go turn in all of this paperwork and show up for the immigration interviews. And for a lot of people, that's not accessible. And so I think the idea behind allowing this right to people who haven't been able to get citizenship yet, whether they're trying or not, is to extend these rights to people as we can right now. Since this became law, only a handful of non-citizen parents in San Francisco have exercised the right to vote. In 2018, 56 people registered. In the school board recall back in February, that number was 74. So even though thousands of parents were eligible to vote, not a lot of people actually did. San Francisco's elections department and immigrant rights groups have been trying to get more people to participate. And they were hoping to get those numbers up in future elections. That law allowing for non-citizens to vote existed for four school board election cycles. And then the previous proposition had, had included a plan for it to sunset after a few years. In 2021, when the Board of Supervisors voted to make it permanent, that's when there was a moment where the law became vulnerable and this conservative lawsuit kind of came in and struck. My voter registration record remain canceled unless the court, they, they've got a favorable legal ruling. Amos Lim immigrated to the United States from Singapore in 1999. He's a gay rights and immigration activist, and he and his husband have a young daughter who's starting high school in San Francisco Unified School District. How are you feeling about her going to high school? That's a big change. (laughs) Um, I mean, she's still a baby to me. (laughs) He is what I would call a very active parent. He became a stay-at-home dad while his daughter was in elementary school um, in order to take care of her. And during that time, held leadership positions in the PTA and was on the school site council. He's not shy about speaking at school board meetings and gave public comment a number of times. And for him, focusing on his daughter and making sure that she was being educated in a way that he felt was right was a central part of what he was doing during that time. What did Amos tell you about what it meant to him? when San Francisco finally allowed non-citizens like him to vote in a school board election. He said that, you know, commenting at the school board is great, and being on the PTA is great, but voting is different. I was always involved, and I was always, you know, trying to make my daughters and everybody's education better in the school. But voting gave me uh, more say. It allows you to have a say in the direction of the entire city's education system, and it forces people to listen to you. I mean, you can shout at the school board in public, comment all day long, and they don't have to listen really to what you're saying at all. But when you vote, they do have to listen, because otherwise you can contribute to making them lose their position in power. I mean, what was it actually like for him to exercise this right? He described it as being something that kind of required constant maintenance. After every school board election, he would be unregistered from the voting rolls, and before each school board election, he'd have to re-register. And to go to re-register, he had to bring proof that he was still not a citizen of the United States and that he had a kid still enrolled in San Francisco Unified School District. Because if you don't have a school-going kid, you do not have the ability to register to vote. Yeah. I mean, that sounds (laughs) very tedious, uh, especially when I think about just like how much 
sort of effort it takes to vote as a citizen. But it sounds like it was really important for Amos to do that and have a say in what happens at his daughter's school district. And that that was something that he took very seriously. How did it feel for him then when he lost that right? When I talked to him, he had just received a letter from the Department of Elections in San Francisco telling him about this lawsuit that they had lost at the state superior court level and that his right to vote in the school board elections had gone away. So it was still fresh for him. You know, the the, the fact that I had um, an ability to um, advocate for my kids' um, education and have a voice in the ballot box was really important for me. And that, that right's been taken away and it's it's distressing. I'm still... I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out why I'm so upset about it, but yeah, I'm, I'm upset. It was kind of coming in waves, that it was this really weird experience to have a right and then have it taken away from you. It's really different than when you just don't have a right and suddenly you get a right. And I think for him, it was hard. It undercut his sense of belonging in San Francisco. I'm still going to advocate for my kids. Except that, you know, I'm realizing that in the toolbox right now, I have one less tool to use. And the most important tool, actually, in my opinion, which is at the ballot box. Coming up, who's fighting to defeat non-citizen voting in San Francisco and across California? Stay with us. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. So... We just heard about Amos Lim and what it meant for him and his family to have a say in his daughter's education. So who's behind this effort to take away voting rights for non-citizen residents in San Francisco school board elections? A man named James Lacey is the main plaintiff in the case that is challenging this San Francisco law. We play by the rules and the rules, according to Judge Ulmer, are very clear here that only citizens may vote in California elections. He is a conservative activist from Orange County. He's the founder of a foundation called the United States Justice Foundation and has a whole lot of kind of conservative credentials to back up his identification as a conservative activist. He was an aide to Howard Jarvis, who was the author of Prop 13, and he worked in the Reagan and Bush Sr. White House administrations. So what is his legal argument and, and why did it work? 
His argument is actually really simple. He just says that the San Francisco law violates the state constitution of California. And the San Francisco judge agreed with him. So James Lacey's argument in the court was pretty simple, but it's part of a much bigger argument about the state of voting rights in this country. And one thing that he said when I spoke with him is that when you allow for people who are not citizens to vote, it dilutes the power of a citizen's vote. And he called this a challenge to election integrity across the board. We want citizens to be confident that their votes count. The way to do that is to knock down these efforts by government and government policies that work to dilute and undermine the credibility of a citizen's vote. So that's why we brought this lawsuit. Annalise, how much should we think about this lawsuit in the context of these sort of like larger attacks on voting rights in states like Georgia or even the lie that has taken hold in the Republican Party that the 2020 election was rigged? I think this is a piece of the puzzle. Election integrity has been a very hot topic since the 2020 election and even before. James Lacey says that he has worked in coalition with other groups that are bringing challenges against non-citizen voting rights acts in other places. He mentioned New York City when I talked to him. Um, And I think he identifies as somebody who's part of a much larger conservative movement in this country that is tapped in to other efforts to challenge what he calls voter dilution um, and to promote what he calls the integrity of elections. So I think he's very much tied into that movement. Um, What his specific role is in those other movements, I don't quite know. Election integrity is greatly impinged by this San Francisco ordinance. If a person wants to fully participate in democracy, you have to participate consistent with the constitutional underpinnings of our nation. And that means you can become a citizen. Nothing's stopping it. Why is so much attention being paid to what is happening in San Francisco, you think? For Mr. Lacey, there's sort of this idea that, you know, if we can defeat this in San Francisco, then it will have a chilling effect on other movements for non-citizen voting in other places. And we've already seen that. I mean, after this San Francisco case won in Superior Court here in the Bay Area, Santa Ana and Southern California decided not to move forward with their proposition looking at potentially expanding non-citizen voting there. So it is effective. You know, you don't have to have a win entirely on the books to kind of slow the momentum of other movements. And I think when James Lacey says that he's very confident that if this went to the statewide Supreme Court that they would win, part of that confidence comes from a place of wanting to discourage people who would push for it in other ways. I think that this case will be the beginning of a dramatic slowing down of the momentum of non-citizen voting efforts in other cities. Since filing his suit in San Francisco, he's also brought a lawsuit against the city of Oakland, who has on their November ballot a proposition that would allow for non-citizen voting in school board elections. So I think you're going to have San Jose probably backpedaling on their issue of non-citizen voting. Uh, I note that, um, that there's a ballot proposition in Oakland Uh, In November, it'll be very interesting to see what impacts this litigation has on that. Does San Francisco plan on pushing back? 
Yes, it does. So the city attorney of San Francisco has appealed this suit to the appellate court. They say that non-citizen voting is legally permissible. And not only that, but it's strongly beneficial to our communities. If this goes to the appellate court, which is where it's headed now, and then it's appealed from there to the state Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court decides to take it up, then a ruling there could decide whether non-citizen voting is legal across the state. So that could impact other cities like LA, where this is also being considered. And what legal arguments are there for allowing it to go on versus ending non-citizen voting? It's a very interesting question. And to learn more about this, I spoke with a professor at San Francisco State University named Ron Hayduck. He is an expert in the history of non-citizen voting in this country. Immigrant voting is as old as the American Republic. And he says that all of this hinges on the one line in the state constitution that kind of lays out who is able to vote. I am not a constitutional scholar or an election lawyer. But uh, my read of it, and I've read a bunch of the legal memos and the legal briefs, um, is that the the California Constitution says uh, that 18-year-olds that are U.S. citizens may vote. What's up for debate here is whether that line is meant to be the ceiling or the floor. Does that say, like, this is the very least of who can vote, these people can definitely vote, but... There's space for more people to vote if municipalities or other local administrations decide they want that. Or if you're James Lacey, you're arguing that that's actually the ceiling, that those are the only people can vote, who can vote. And if the state had intended for more people to be able to vote, they would have said that. So this business that the Constitution restricts voting to only citizens is exactly what's at issue in this court case. And uh, Judge Ulmer has ruled a sort of strict reading of the case. The city attorney believes that's not the uh, correct or proper reading and is hoping to get a, a better hearing at a different level. I mean, how big of a deal is what's happening in San Francisco around non-citizen voting? Because San Francisco is, isn't is even the only city here in the Bay Area that's considered non-citizen voting, right? This is part of a much larger national debate around voting rights generally. I think since the 2020 election, we've seen the reignition of a fight that's been part of our history since the beginning, this question of who is able to vote and who is a citizen. It definitely feels like there's more than just this one city's election at at play here. Annalise, thank you. Yeah, no problem. That was Annalise Finney, a reporter for KQED. As we mentioned, folks in other cities like San Jose have been pushing to give non-citizens the right to vote in local elections. The city of San Jose decided to wait until September to study how this might look in the Bay Area's biggest city. But if you're curious about how the debate is going in the South Bay, check out the episode we did back in January about the conversation around non-citizen voting in San Jose. I'll leave you a link to that in our show notes. This 25-minute conversation with Annalise was cut down and edited by editor Alan Montecilio. I produced this one, scored it, and added all the tape. You can always follow our team and our work and all the things we're doing on Twitter at The Bay KQED. I'm Erica Cruz-Guevara. Thank you so much for listening. Peace.
Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.